This week on the Push for Lows podcast, Josh Silverman is back and we're discussing everything you guys are going to learn on our workshop. Oh, and stupid things on the internet this week. It's a doozy. Three, two, one. We just can't get rid of this guy, Dan. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Damik. And me, Tom Hall. And one more. And me, Josh Silverman. I'm back. <laughs> well, hold on a minute. How, how am I on here and, and Dan as well? I thought. I, I know. Thought I can feel myself getting squeezed out here. I can feel it. It's happening more and more. It's, like, it's getting more. It's like the per- you know when someone leaves a company or whatever, or you like put your notice in, and then you can see them interviewing other people. <laughs> but imagine now the interview is kind of no, someone's already replaced me, and now they're being shown around the office, and they're showing my desk or asking me to move out of the way. Yeah, it's getting a bit awkward, but I'm it is. All, it's I'm almost all... like like are you still using that drawer? Can I put my yeah yeah? Can I start putting my stuff in there already? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I logged on, and Tom was like, "Oh, we just got to wait for Josh." I was like, "Oh, have we?" I didn't even tell him to. Uh, he didn't even tell me. So, you see, yeah. didn't even tell me that you know. So it's all being it's all being done behind closed doors as well. Surprise! I thought it'd be so nice we tried to put then. it at the time at cricket, but we got the time wrong. So <laughs> we was going to start at six fifteen, and awkwardly it was at five. Oh yeah, it's just it's, it's awkward. all awkward. But I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So really, Josh actually wanted to come on today because he was like, "Oh, I've been on for like two months," and he got really annoyed. Um, so. Wants his airtime, doesn't he? he I know, clearly. <laughs> um, but we did have, we, we'd already had our customer map for like one guest a month. I'm plugging myself back in because you guys are filling up my battery. Such wonderful faces on my screen. Um, yeah, so Josh wanted to do a little special because we have got something. I mean, Dan just said it, it's like not this weekend, but the weekend after, right? Come around quick. Come around yeah. quick um, on our little collaboration with Josh and his gang. London Can you Muscle. pronounce the, the actual name right yet, Tom? What, London Muscle? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, L-D-N-M. We well done. That, yeah, they do yeah. it fast. <laughs> Definitely not. It's like I, like that. I, <laughs> Tom's there like that. He's like that going, Le? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always write it the wrong way around. I uh, like L-D-M-N. I'm just like, keep doing yeah. it. I just piss Josh off, mate. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, it was mainly prompted by... So, obviously, I taught nutrition... Uh, weekend just gone and someone came and asked me and said why would I benefit from it was it just like can you stop can you guys stop teaching nutrition they were like can we finally actually move yeah yeah. it was it was literally (laughs) like well what is that what is the course can you give me an explanation and I didn't find it hard to do it in a in a small like sort of segment or whatever but hopefully it's something this would be an episode to refer back to and go listen why don't you listen to that Anytime we put it on in the future, or even now, and go listen to that, that will give you all the information you need to know on why to use it, how to use it, etc. Because it's hard, right, to say, Oh, we're going to teach you programming and exercise selection. Cause, yeah, but I've done that on my course. And you're like, No, no, no. You didn't <laughs> trust, do that on your trust course. Trust me, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, trust me. Eight reps does not get you big biceps. I've been trying for years. Um, it's not just about that. So it was like, Yeah, that, that, I kind of get that. I kind of get people think it's beneath them when actually. When you look at it, this is what really matters. And this is, if you can nail this, this is like you as a PT, you're kind of elevating yourself already. I think it's, I think it's a first starter thing as well, right? So, I mean, I continually use it, but starting out, just being blessed with some of this stuff, it would have been gold and realizing, mm-hmm. oh, this is a decent path to be on. These guys that have been doing it for a while, t- 
tend to use this. Um, yeah, it'd be yeah phenomenal to have. And you're basically just picking off our brains collectively. Mm. How many years in the industry? Uh, well, so what? I'm uh, I'm a, I'm twelve. You're years. twelve. Do we count football, Dan? I don't know. Uh, I think so, mate. Yeah, we're probably collaborative about fifteen. So it's yeah. nearly twenty-seven to thirty years. So that's that's my age. bad, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah, yeah that is old. <laughs> that is very old. Yeah, very old. Yeah, but also, bad. I think it's um, it's not only that. It's probably saved money of how much we've probably wasted of either listening to people or going to courses or buying books or being, you know, roped into, uh, I was about to say a name there, but nearly uh, <laughs> being roped into certain courses where we've probably spent thousands collectively and someone can now come, not have to worry about looking at all that rubbish and go, Oh, I can come and spend the day here and I've saved myself probably near on 5,000 pounds by not having to sift through the rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's in itself is the key to <laughs> we've why done that for you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't waste any money. <laughs> yes. you can make your own mistakes, but yeah, Jesus, that's gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's Isabel or Jordan make is. mistakes with good tools and just maybe do them badly for now. Yeah, you know. So I, I heard Isabel in the background. I thought she was gonna come on the show. I know. I literally was about to mute it then and go. Scream <laughs> out there. She my head would definitely time. have a lot more input, and oh, it would, would be more valuable. Hundred percent, it would be. Yeah. Don't, don't Dan, worry about that. Dan, I, I said to somebody else the other day, and I was like, I just skip through Dan's stories and just just watch Isabel, and that's about it. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah, not, you're, you're not the only one, mate. <laughs> it's a constant source of frustration for me. But you know what? I've gotten onto it now, so now I'm just going to start putting it all over. Yeah, it. Yeah, you just you just have her there whilst you're speaking nutrition. I'm like. Yeah. What were you doing? I thought Isabel was talking. All right, uh... It'd be interesting <laughs> if Instagram bring out some form of data where you can check the length of time on a story. That'd be good to see if so, how many people skip through certain stories. And then Dan just sees every time I'm on, it's a one second view. But when it's a <laughs> yeah, see this bold head, people just go skip. skip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. Um, but I think like we talked about the assessment stuff as well. I think that obviously with the way that it's moving, like more and more people go online now. I think again, like you said about separating yourself as a trainer from other people and understanding how you can still assess someone's movement online and that will separate you from other trainers based on seeing someone perform four or five different movements with no fancy equipment, you'll be able to get an idea of, well, how do they squat? How do they hinge? How do they do all these movements so that you can effectively program for them rather than just give them a cookie cutter training plan, which 99% of all the other online coaches are doing. So and that'll get you better results in the long run as well. So it doesn't just go to like, oh, I'm a one-to-one PT. If I'm online, it doesn't make a difference. It's not going to help me because it fundamentally will improve everything about your programming from the first day to the last day. And I think when I talk about the different avenues of PT at the end of the PT courses and say about online PT, people do sometimes talk about, oh, is online PT dangerous uh, because you're never there? And I guess it's just a way of checking in every time or every now and then to go, if I just ask them to do a row, if I ask them to do a squat or deadlift, let me see how they do it when I just ask them to do it. And I can kind of nine times out of 10 gather, oh, at least, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident it's been safe, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the way the way we designed some of the like the screening protocol, because we did have that in mind, especially when obviously Dan's involved, because all of his clients are online, right? So we've got to build a sort of screening system that can be online based. Um, so a lot of the stuff, well, basically all of the assessment that we're well, screening assessment, we'll go into that in a sec, um, yeah. is, uh, is no equipment. That's how I based it. Um, and that's what's going to happen because I don't use any equipment when I first assess. Um, just want to see. Hold what, on. Hold on. 
Oh, don't use the FMS kit. Um, yeah, apart from the, uh, the the gold FMS kit I have in the corner. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's a PT in Canary Wharf. They've got a wooden one that folds away and goes in a little bag. I need to get one. Hundred percent. I'm going to get one, and I'm literally going to carry that bag with me everywhere. You, you will as well. You'll be that nerd that just like <laughs> carries it everywhere. Glasses on. Hi guys. <laughs> <Let's do. laughs> That's it. That, that was literally a great presentation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's spurred on as well. So today I was obviously teaching uh, some of the guys uh, third space. Um, if you don't know, I'm, I'm Tom's basically boss. But um, wow. yeah, I was teaching about uh, <laughs> our basic screen, and th- a lot of the questions came up. And this is again something that, even though you guys have kind of pinpointed me as the FMS guy, and people believe that, I probably don't believe Dan because no one believes Dan. But um, they've kind of people will ask me and go, oh, but you think that FMS will screen an injury and that means that if someone squats like that, they're going to get injured. And it, it kind of sparked quite a good conversation today and that was another reason to maybe talk to you guys. 100%. I think, like, the... Mistaken or you're... You're going to be quite, um, quite disappointed with that. Yeah, so I think with the... I want to go into definition of screening, assessment and test... Is basically, did you? Is that what you were discussing today? Yeah. And yeah. what's the point in them? Does one lead to another? When would you not move to the other, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. I mean, off the top of my head, and I don't have a dictionary definition for each of those. Um, but I would class. So my movement screen is based off how some just how somebody moves, and whether I can basically predict what they can do in the gym um, and what they can do well. I'm not really predicting any injury. I'm not going to see if there's any... I can just see where they can do stuff in the gym, basically. An assessment is more based off I've got different parameters to basically dive into after my screen. So if I see a screening system, I screen like a movement, then I might assess a joint to see what the range of motion is, and then I can test and retest that. So the test is based off getting different results and basically improving it. That's how I would judge those three. I don't know whether you take that any differently, Josh. Mine, so mine is near enough the same. Mine, a screen is, <clears throat> can they do the activity that you've asked from A to B in <clears throat> what we would consider an okay fashion? So can I walk from one end of the room to the other? Can you do it? There's a screen. An assessment would be, okay, how good is that? How bad is that? And why is it bad or good? So for instance, okay, if they're not, They've not got good recovery when they walk or whatever. Is it down to hamstrings? Do they have issues with their ankle flexibility? So we'd assess the joint, just like what you just said. Is it a mobility issue? Is it a stability issue, motor control issue? And then testing it would be at what level or uh, let's say how do they perform doing it? So for instance, screen someone in the squat. We can see they're okay in doing it. Can we now test or assess the ankles and hips to see if one of the other one is the weakest link? And then to test the squat, we'd 1RM strength fit to see how they perform or the maximal performance they can do in it. But it's, I guess it's near enough the same of what you so said. The, so the too long didn't read of that is screening, can they do it? Assessment, how do they do it? Testing, how can they improve on it? Boom. Right, Dan, there you go. Boom. Wow. Boom. Boom. There you go. That's yeah, right. <laughs> so a, a screen I define today as just our minimum operating procedure, as in... What's our standard operating procedure when a human walks into the gym before we just go, oh, okay, let's squat. And we kind of look at the Hippocratic Oath, or that's what we looked at, of first do no harm. And it's like, well, how do we know we're not doing any harm? 
or how do we know if harm can potentially occur? And by harm, I don't mean injury. Harm can literally mean loading a, a faulty movement pattern so later on they yeah. feel a bit stiff in the wrong places, literally, just how they feel or whatever. Um, or perform worse in doing that movement. Because if we if we want to see certain parameters in a squat where there's no forward lean or you know the, the kind of uh, tibia angle is the same as the, the upper body angle or whatever, the spine angle, we don't want to start loading dysfunctional movement if that means that that's going to pattern the exercise, I guess, and that person then it, it's harder to correct it. I don't know. But yeah, I was just saying, look, we, we first just need to look at something before we know if we want to work on that technique. Otherwise, we don't know if we need to work on it. And by the time we put a weight on it, we may be, not be too late, but we may have missed a trick there. Yeah, 100%. And there's also an art in whether you even need to touch anything as well. Mm. Um, I think what you'll find out is when, when we'll teach this is, is when to step back and realize, oh, it's not actually going quite correctly then. But then you can intervene, coach it out of somebody within two seconds, and suddenly it's fixed. And was that an assessment? No, I didn't have to really go down any route. It was just an intervention, a coaching intervention, not like a basically an assessment intervention, um, which I think a lot of people think screening and correctives and they go, oh my God, I've got to learn all this other stuff mm -hmm. and do range of motion tests. And it's like, hang on a minute, no, our screen's going to be this. And then within that screen, say you've got 20 to 30 minutes to complete that screen within your first session so your client doesn't get too bored. Um, it's only boring people make people bored, basically. But if you keep them entertained, they should be probably fine. But it's basically, you, can, you, can you trick it? Can you change it very quickly um, through coaching cues? And that's something we're going to discuss as well during the day. And that's, that's invaluable. That's literally only knowledge that I've picked up over probably the last, I don't know, three years um, in just trying to, trying to coach somebody out of something more than going, oh, actually, I've got an exercise for that. We need to spend 10 minutes doing that now. I'm totally wasting, like, rabbit holing. Yeah, yeah. And we done that. We, when we looked at single leg stuff today and someone had a varus of the knee and we were like, okay, what, what would you do to correct that? And some people were like, oh, we'd um, add a step here or we'd do a deficit here or we'd do this and that. And I said, okay, <laughs> let's look at a corrective as, mate, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Your knee facing forward and just hold there. I said, and then it corrected it. Did it correct it? Yeah. So what was the corrective? Just telling them not to do it. That's it. They just don't know what you want them to do sometimes. Yeah, I, think, I think people get so caught up with it all. I think from the whole, I don't know if it was years ago. It's key, I don't know if it's, if it's just that I'm not in the industry anymore in terms of one-to-one -one as much as I used to be. But the whole correctives thing used to be such a buzzword. And you used to have to get like, for correctives, it was almost like you would get a band out. You would get a different <laughs> like, kettlebell. You would get something different. And like you just said there, actually, a corrective was going, don't do that. Or it's, a corrective exercise, like a corrective <laughs> exercise, can be like just a different squat movement. It doesn't have, yeah. like it's still a squat, but just a different movement where you place the weight is a corrective by definition. But people used to think it was like the way you had to do it was like tie a band around someone's knee to pull it out this way, and then <laughs> tell them to then stand on their other little toe. And you're like, come on, like you don't have to cue like tip. You know, they were going on about like you know. You've got to make sure that you know you hold your transverse abdominus and this. And you speak into a client, and they're like, "I'm like, what are you doing? Like, he doesn't need that sort of shit." And it's, it was the, uh, the the one I used to see. Yeah, it was about four or five years ago. It was like feeding the dysfunction was the big like big thing, right? So you just grab a band. If somebody's got valgus, you pull the knee into valgus, which is it's fair enough. Like, it's a good corrective. But if, uh, I've done a bet that maybe a lot of the trainers okay. haven't tried to been like. Uh, Stop don't doing that. Do that. <laughs> I'm going to hold my hand here. Don't touch my hand. <laughs> yeah. There was a, I think it was um, 
Helm's done a, a meta-analysis on a study which was about actually doing bad technique on purpose for the person to correct themselves and stuff like that. So that might be the feeding dysfunction thing. But again, you're going to go through all of that. You're going to make them do bad technique and then be like, oh, or you could have just gone, don't, don't make, yeah, don't let your torso come forward. Okay. There you go. I'm all right now. <laughs> like, well, I didn't need to do anything. I just need to tell you don't bloody do it. Yeah, that's an art of coaching though, right? So it's only learned by somebody telling <laughs> you to do that. Where maybe you've seen stuff, Instagram or somebody you follow and be like, yeah, this is the one to do. This definitely, definitely need to do this. Or maybe a physio that doesn't do much coaching, like one-to-one with, uh, I mean, we discussed that with Alex, like he doesn't get as much contact time with his NHS stuff. So he ends up, this trying to give simple stuff, but it, some physios tend to overcomplicate it, which could happen in assessments, right? So Here's a question. If you saw a screen, and let's say, for instance, they wasn't doing a correct, so we use that term, let's say a squat, for instance, <coughs> or they, they couldn't get their arms, I don't know, above their head correctly uh, without uh, compensating from the spine or whatever, when would you not, correct that as in when would you take the decision to go do you know what at this moment in time we're not we're not even going to try and correct it and we're not even going to try and work on trying to make that better for a small period of time i think so what within the first session or within my program and within your program so let's um and i've got my thoughts on it but it's yeah when would you go do you know what i'm not even i don't even want to touch your movement i'm just gonna make sure we're gonna do movements that don't further hurt you but I'm going to keep the way that you're doing it as in I don't care if it looks like crap as long as you don't hurt yourself I'm cool yeah so I've got a knockdown list of what I'd, I'd start to look at um, and one of the biggest things that will always come back to is clients goal why they came to me um, that's going to be no, number one so if the if the client sucks say uh, overhead uh, shoulder flexion so they can't put their hand over their head very well without going chest up cranking their back um, if they came for me for weight loss or whatever, that's I'm probably going to be like, all right, well, you don't really need to put your head over, like your hand over your head. It's not, it's not really fine. Uh, the corrective measures, if I can't fix it very quickly, either by coaching cue or a corrective measure, like a corrective exercise, some sort of, I don't know, CNS stimulant within like the two to five minutes of the screen and that first session, then I'm going to look at like just putting in stuff just to keep them moving or mobility, stability, that kind of stuff all the way through their programming. Um, and that's what we'll talk about in the course is long-term over short-term correctives and yeah. how they stick. So I, I class short-term was the, the little magic stuff that Josh likes to do sometimes in a, like a session just to correct something. Immediately, I've got a better range of motion. Cool. All right, but we know that it's not going to stay because what? It's, <laughs> it's great for that five minutes and then but it will you will return back to where you are most so the long-term corrective is something that's gonna stabilize that range of motion so i would start looking at the basically building that into their programming um but that might be over four it'll probably be four weeks of doing stuff seeing if it changes then i'd do other stuff um, I know Dan's discussed this before, and I don't know. I don't know whether we concur, Dan, because we've. I think we've actually di- slightly disagreed on some of this stuff before. Um, on I only like one stimulus at a time, and then Dan will be like, I "Don't really mind as long as it's working. We'll just try a load of stuff." Um, I'm I'm just simple in the brain, so I don't really. I like. I'm like one thing. That's it. One thing. That's it. All right. 
but you're like, yeah, fuck it. I think it, I think it depends on the individual. Like you can't, yeah. you can't sit there and go, oh, this one person who can't reach over the head, what would you do? Because you might give them one cue and they're fucking straight away get it and they know yeah. it and they can fix it. And then you move on to the next thing and then you might refer back to it occasionally and go, well, make sure you're still doing that and give them something else. If And again, I also think there's also, you know, from speaking to a client and getting to know them in the gym, whether they're acutely aware of their body positioning and if they're starting to, if they're more aware of their body and they, you give them a few cues and they seem to be quite good with it, you could probably throw more than one thing at them to improve on at a time because they seem quite aware. And again, totally biased and like this is a, a probably not an evidence-based um, quote or anything like that, but the younger they are, the better they tend to be. I mean, that's just, you know, as they get older, you probably throw less at them just because, again, there's so many things going on with them and so many ingrained bad movements that it probably will take one thing at a time. But going back to the original point, I think if you're screening someone and you do overhead element of a squat pattern and they haven't got good shoulder flexion, they can't get that range, but their hip hinge is okay, you would go, well, you'd go, well, what's the primary goal here? There's a hierarchy and it would be, right, well, you could probably still work on a, on a, on a hip hinge pattern, a squat pattern, <laughs> and focus on some thoracic mobility exercise and then retest in four weeks and go, is it any better? And if it is, then there could be something else in your programming that's meant that they're just moving now as a, as a whole. And they're just better movers, which could then help that. Whereas if you retested in four, t- four weeks' time and the shoulder flexion was the same, you would then probably need a direct thing to, to, to fix that, I suppose. Um, because I find with a lot of people, once you start moving as a whole, um, initially on a first assessment, assessment, a lot of people just move poorly. Whether it's shoulder flexion, hip flexion, whatever, they just move poorly. And after four weeks of moving, it's amazing how much these things tend to improve without directly cueing them. Just because they've got an awareness of their body, like I referred to at the start. It's like it's amazing that ability to have an awareness of your body and how it moves because that takes time to practice. And a lot of these people have never practiced it. They just have usually jogged and that's all they do for weight loss or whatever or for being healthy. And the range of motion involved in that is tiny. So when you start saying to them, put your arms over your head and squat, and they're like, whoa, hold on a minute. And just by doing some bodyweight stuff, they start to to progress. So there's definitely a hierarchy of importance, as, as we've just discussed. And I think, like you said, as we're going to go over at the weekend, it will be, at what point do you not do a movement at the detriment to just because someone can't move, can't do a certain part of the movement? Well, that doesn't really make a huge difference to the lower portion of it, for example. So it's understanding all those things because you could look at someone trying to do a head squat and be like oh my god they can't do that but it doesn't mean they can't do a split squat and it's having the ability to look at someone and go okay they can't do this quite difficult exercise but i can see the potential there to do slightly easier exercise which means you start them further down the hierarchy or whatever it is and you can build them up um and that's the uh, tom said the art of coaching is being able to pick up on that straight away rather than launching straight into an assumption based on one movement which a lot of people do so i i said there was three things that i that i I combated and saying you you don't always need to correct or you don't always need to change or whatever is a first and foremost strength training in itself will will help correct something most of the time if you gain strength at your end range you're going to increase that end range it's just the way in which the strength curve works and the way in which our body works so people forget that strength training correctly is a corrective on its own. Tony Jellicoe talks about that. He's, he's, a, he's a big guy on that. He's like, just, if you just get stronger, you'd be amazed. And that's kind of yeah. what, I, what I said about four weeks of training properly and moving well. 
you you just start being amazed by how it's why people get so sore after doing like an initial assessment they can be like oh my god i'm so sorry it's like yeah because you're moving now yeah and like you've just not moved properly before through that full range that you mentioned and so spina talks about force through joy i mean some of the stuff that frc talks about which is what and I'll, I'll go through some of this on the day as well is is all around he, he does try and talk about the evolution of people and that we uh, you know stopped doing certain movements but we stopped doing certain movements for good reason as in we just don't need to do them anymore so sometimes squatting with your hands above, i mean when was the last time with your hands above your head you've done a squat and had to put like you just don't do that movement so do you care if someone can't do an overhead squat well technically not because when was the last time you picked something up and squatted down with it and gone right i'm gonna hold it for a while and hold it up i mean obviously there's other things involved, but that then the next one <clears throat> that I said as well was, well, so I'm, I was originally a kayaker. That was my sport. So my shoulders are very flexible. However, in order to get the paddle to do something called a stern rudder or bow rudder, which is a movement, a turn, in order to get the paddle far back to the boat, I'd have to obviously lean with my torso backwards. So imagine my rib cage coming up as I leant back with my shoulder to get a bigger turning circle because that created more movement. Now, because of that, it took me a while to stop that kind of pattern of any time I reached above my head, my, my body would just go with me because I'm doing that in training, I do that in competitions, it was just in me. Now, if a PT or, or a coach would have changed that, that would have made me a worse kayaker because if I didn't get a full turning circle in slalom, I would have lost points, basically. I would have hit the rails or I wouldn't have actually gone through the gates. So sometimes, and this is what I was trying to say, not all the time, but as a loose rule, sometimes if you take someone and make them more human and less athlete, because athlete movements or chucking something at one position all the time or doing one thing, that's not natural for humans, technically. So making them a worse, a, a, a better human will sometimes make someone a worse athlete. So we had like a boxer in the room and quite frankly, they were forward like this, shoulders like that. They couldn't get above their head. And he was like, well, what's, what's your goal right now? Is it to be a better boxer? Yes all right, well, I'm not going to change that. I might do some stuff to alleviate pain if you've got it, but you haven't. So I'm not going to make you a better human to sacrifice your sport because at this moment in time, that's your goal. Imagine they came back and they went, oh my God, I got knocked out in the second round. I couldn't throw punches. I had no force. Yeah, but don't worry, mate. You can put your hands above your head. So everything's good. Don't worry. So that's what, that's what I mentioned as well, basically. So the three things were, A, um, strength training is just a corrective anyway, so that should help it. B was, well, sometimes the person doesn't really need to do that movement, so let's focus on the bigger movements that we care about that's really going to get bang for the buck. And then C, where if they want to be a better athlete, sometimes making them a better human may actually be a detriment, detriment to an athlete. Yeah. I think that number one point, I think, overrides all of our like training. Yeah. Like, I program into like a four-week plan. Um, but it's the word strength. I feel like uh, if I say that, the immediate for for most people who probably don't class themselves as corrective exercise people is that strength is all right. That just means like yeah, heavy weight, low rep, right? That means powerlifting. lifting, like I'm powerlifting. Yeah. It's like well, no, it doesn't mean you're yeah. powerlifting. It just means you're doing the correct exercises that we've kind of decided upon through our continuum or whatever you've scored on your screening system, and then you're doing them well, end range, and you're getting better either week by week, month by month at them. That is strength training. I think Josh made a great point about like, the whole like human and athlete thing. I think because that also comes into your screen or your assessment or 
your test, you know, is that it's got to be relevant to the person and, and what you're thinking about. So you, assessing someone, again, whose main function is that they just want to be able to walk. Like, again, I've, I've PT'd one to one people, you know, 70-year-olds who just wanted to just have a more longevity. And like you said, Josh, it's like actually for them, they do need certain aspects that a 30-year-old guy wouldn't need to worry about. And that, you know, for them, lifting an arm over the head is important. And bending down to the floor is important. Whereas actually for a 30-year-old guy who can, you know, is pretty pretty into his sport and he wants to be better at rugby or whatever, then, yeah, there's elements to it. It's like more important to think, actually, yeah, you need to be better at X, Y, and Z movement. And I think that's where, before you even start a screen or an assessment, understanding the person that's in front of you is important and their goal because that will change how you, not score the assessment, but how much weight you place on certain tests or certain aspects of the assessment. And I think that, these are the sorts of things that people don't talk about when it comes to assessments. Like we joke that you're the FMS guy, but it's <laughs> true. But it's also that, like you will also go into into a test going right. Well, this is this is a 19 year old kid who's a, who's an athlete who wants to be a, a basketballer. Well, that's you're going to approach that assessment very differently to 40 year old office worker, and but you'll still use the same assessment and the same the same screen. Keep using all these words and change me just to piss you guys off. Um, <laughs> that's fine. You're still, it's easier. You're still, you're still use those things to. To, to their own to their you know using the, all the the merits involved within it but with that person in mind and i think that this is the kind of thing that like you said before you can't get over in a you know a page on a website or in a yeah we're doing a screening workshop it's like no but it's mm -hmm. the what happens before that it's who's in front of you and then you then apply what principles of that assessment of that screening to that individual to get you the end result because there are some athletes or some people you might spend like Tom said, 30 minutes assessing. I've done people before, I've seen them, they've walked in and I've done four or five um, exercises of a screen and I've just gone, right, let's go. Like, there's, there's, you're, we're wasting your time yeah. going further than this. And like, that, I think it's that that people struggle with. It's having the confidence to go, right, I know based on what I've learned that this guy can move perfectly well. I don't need to bother him with any of assessments. Let's just get straight, straight into strength training because as you said, it's a corrective. Whereas I think there's an assumption that if you have a screening protocol, like the FMS or something like that, you have to run through it systematically, step by step, go through all these things. And I'm like, no. For some people, you don't need to do every single one. And likewise, with what we were, what we, what we're going to present, I suppose, is there's elements to it that you can skip, but without understanding why, you won't have the confidence to do that. And then you'll just waste people's time. So again, in terms of retaining your clients or getting client buy-in on that first session, a client's going to know if you're wasting the time or not. Because like, I can do this. It's easy. What am what, what I wasting my time for? And, and that's, and that's important. Yeah, and I would add to that as well. If you're spending longer than 10 minutes on a screen, you are probably doing a disservice to your client anyway. Like even five minutes, I would say above that is too much. And I think if you're doing more than that, you're probably trying to find an issue that isn't there or trying to get perfect movement, which we know nothing about. And I mean, one was on the back of that. I remember I screened our, and done, he wanted, it was interesting in looking at the assessment side of things, which is the SFMA, which is the FMS assessment side of things. So I did a screen, done FMS, then done the assessments joint by joint on our managing director and found a load of issues with his shoulders. And I was like, okay, what else are you doing? What are your goals currently? Well, I'm doing CrossFit and I'm doing boxing and kickboxing pad work. Okay, are you prepared to stop doing that in order for your shoulders to be better? No, I'm not. All right, fine. Well, I'll tell you what, forget this for now because trust me, you don't want me to do any correctives on you because it's not going to work anyway because you're just going to go and hammer them anymore. So come back to me when you want to change that. Done. That's it. It's client-centered, isn't it, right? It's, it's that person in front of you. And I think, I think that's the thing that people struggle with a lot. Um, 
and again, I, like I do it with, with the online stuff, it's like understanding your client, their needs, their, their wants to go, actually, let's have a look at these movements. Let's have a look at your how you row, how you press, how you squat, how you hinge. And then there's others that you just know that actually they probably won't need it. Um, it doesn't mean you don't get them to still try and send it over anyway, because again, people think they know what they're doing half the time. But I think it's, there are some clients who, like I said, there's certain red flags that you'll just go, right, I need to see certain things. So for me, if I get, if I get their, my clients to fill out their training assessment or their training, um, their initial form, that's quite in depth it's kind of like if it says any previous injuries and anything related to hip or shoulder i'm like right i want to see x y and z if it's like no injuries which again is extremely rare and i go are you sure you've never had injuries oh well actually i had you know <laughs> but it's straight away you start getting a picture in your head of what videos you want to see of them based on that information and like you said if you've got a box with a load of pre- previous shoulder injuries it's kind of like well actually mate, maybe there is something wrong with the way you're doing things but like you said previously if he's a boxer and he's had no previous shoulder injuries and he's okay then you're not going to fuck around with anything and this this is the big one as well and we were talking about it in the session today and i was like right show me a hip hinge okay <clears throat> we saw someone who was you know bending their back rather than hinging and that dreaded oh they've got an arch back as they do a deadlift Okay, what, and I said, what's the problem with that? They're going to injure themselves. I said, listen, I've been in gyms for 12 years. I haven't seen one client hurt their back doing a deadlift. Like, just I haven't seen it. You guys might have come across some, but the amount of people doing it wrong in the gym compared to the amount of people that actually get injured doing it wrong is a different rate. Like, it's a small percentage. And, of course, we don't want that to happen. But at the same time, we, give, we don't give enough credit to how resilient the body actually is. So to say to a client, you're definitely going to get injured, the likelihood is they're probably not. They may be doing some issues and some damage for later on in life where, you know, that they, they have worse movement quality. But telling someone you're definitely going to slip your disc if you pick up the weight like that, most clients probably not because they probably don't pick up at a level that like, is in the weight that they should, that would happen. Mm-hmm. And it's saying, oh, they'll definitely get injured then the chances and the likelihood is they they don't and they won't get injured they'll probably get some issues later on in life 100 percent. but injury risk and screening probably don't are not the they're not definite they're not definitive i don't know what your thoughts are but no i don't think they're they 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 kind of relate into each other but you can't you can't with an absolute basically say you're like oh i've in my previous experience that might be good for this or that might mislay this but you can't go yeah you're definitely going to get injured there that's going to be an issue long term I'm like well hang on a minute I haven't had an issue for 35 years so why am I suddenly going to get this now and then they're going to look at you and be like well it's your fault because you prescribed this weird exercise that I've never done and now it's suddenly falling apart and you're like no no that was good it was really good for you I was like this probably wasn't was it it's like you've just <laughs> broken them for no apparent reason but what you want to talk about with, uh, with the screening system so screening and the programming um, mm. for each because weirdly with people with very similar mindset all of us we have slightly different clientels so I am heavily general population um, probably 30s 35 upwards with some sort of pain and my screening systems are maybe a little bit longer um, than the like 10 minutes that what can take so I go through probably 20 to 30 minutes on a screening system. But yeah, if I see somebody moving, great, then um, yeah, it's fine. But more likely my clientele are coming with a pre-existing injury and I'm going to spend a little bit more time around stuff that I think um, is going to happen there. And to be honest, the screen might involve, I might rewrite an optional bit, it might involve uh, exercises that I think I will want to include 
um, based off this guy's history or based off whatever their injury was that I want to see whether I'm pitching correctly within like a screen um, to take them further. So like side planks, dead bugs, all this kind of stuff. What is their threshold? Um, what is their rotary stability? I've got a lot of spinal guys and that generally tends to add in, um, which I think we just don't really use. We tend to look at like the big movements and presses and like, overhead screening and squats and stuff. And uh, rotary is obviously playing like golf. I'm sure it's massive for kayaking as well. Rotary stability yeah. is pretty big. Um, and you, you play uh, cricket down. It's massive for you as well. So any kind of rotation. Yeah, he's weird. <laughs> Slinger things. So yeah, that's what I would tend to do with my programming. It, it with general pub. Uh, general pop it just it re- it is basic strength training 100 percent. that's all that is basically what i do i don't do anything else honestly i very rarely go above like 10 12 repetitions and i still class that as really strength training for the general public it's it's basically covering all bases um yeah. they're still working to an intensity that they will correct themselves um and the, the only reason why i'm probably making them go that way because i've let them pick their own weight and then i want it to get heavier by the end and i've gone yeah just keep going Keep going, keep going, and wrap it, go. And I mean, I, I used to do similar to what Dan does, which was heavily body composition, but it's not as easy as that. But mine, since working at third space, mine's changed. And actually, I, I doubled my client base today, uh, Tom. Because I, uh, two. I, I, I wow. one up person. <laughs> two, two clients. So, I mean, turned out I'm really tired. So, uh, right. yeah, I need a glass of wine tonight. But <laughs> actually, now, because of probably because of pricing and stuff. My, my clientele, or my two clients, literally, are just older generation people who want to come in. They want to train because they know it's healthier for them, and they just want to feel good in the session. So in the session, if I put an exercise on them that is so technically difficult for them, just from their patterning or whatever, that I am using so many correctives, so many cues to say this is wrong, or no, no, do it like this, no, do it like that, they're not going to go away from the session feeling good especially because both my clients, because of the price point, they are, they are very high in their jobs. They've never, they don't want to feel like someone's telling them, you're wrong, you're crap, you're rubbish. They're high stressed anyway. So I've now used screening as, okay, how can I make that movement look correct but by looking at different weight placements? For instance, rather than a back squat, looking at a goblet squat. So they're still getting the movement. We're still getting what we want, the activation that we want. But I'm telling them what they're doing well more so than what we need to correct. And so my clientele now is more along the lines of just don't make them feel embarrassed in the session and make them feel better when they leave, go away that they've moved better and felt better at the same time. And that's all they care about. They're like, I just want to come in and train because I want to feel good. But at the same time, that, I know that doesn't mean trying to coach them some crazy conventional deadlift or deficit deadlift. That means I'm telling them the whole time, no, no, you're doing that wrong. No, 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 now do this. No, 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 do that. They can be like, oh, what's going on? I'm, I'm here to just... To move a bit better if that makes sense and you can take that one step even if they had like slight asymmetries etc if you coach them a goblet squat it's pretty simple and then you're like all right i've coached them a goblet squat i knew they had some sort of right hip shift suddenly i can go into all right just move that goblet slightly to the left for me all right cool you're gonna yeah. hold it there now suddenly we bang we're in corrective exercise just because i've shifted this slightly and I'm shifting yeah. over to that left hip instead of that right hip and then we're starting to move and that was that was totally engaging for the person because yeah. you've already taught them fundamental skill, mm-hmm. they've learned it. Cool, was it in the stick? Probably it was dead easy. All right, move it's that. It's got a hip shift. I usually bring out the balloons at that point. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Lollipop oh, stick as well. Lollipop stick. I've heard that. No, that, that just, my way, far <laughs> too Dan, simple. It must be wrong. You use uh, the screen for mainly for your guys because your guys is obviously body comp, and I guess your screen is probably more testy. But yeah, I mean, what would you do for body comp? I mean, it, straight away you can tell that you know you get someone's progress pictures through, and you can kind of get a feel of posture for one. Like a lot of my clients, they tend to come. Um, there's like 25 to 40, I suppose, busy want to look better they just want to look better like that's their main goal like not many people come to me and go oh, i want to just feel better they've usually got some sort of performance goal um in terms of like a certain level of strength they want to achieve and they kind of know their way around the gym but that can also come with its own downfalls that they've ingrained movement patterns that are poor and stuff like that but by and large like a lot of mine programming like i'm still like have tom in my head the whole time um but i i tend to like I guess as a, on the whole, if I was to look at all my programming, I'd probably limit overhead pressing as a, as a general rule, probably. With most people, yeah. I don't program a lot of that. And if I do, it's single arm. It's With one. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's also if you use, want... If you use a landmine, you have got full marks on top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every one of my clients, I haven't got a landmine. Like, shit. Um, well, you thought... now. <laughs> the day that one of my clients sends me a landmine video on the shoulder press, I'm going to just send it to Tom. I'm going to be like, yes, look at it. Yeah, it's, it's because usually a lot of them have come from a background of doing too much pressing anyway. So it's like, well, I don't have to limit that. Most of them usually have pretty poor, um, poor back development, stuff like that. So as a whole, I tend to kind of program on the whole more pulling than pushing and all that sort of stuff and, and i kind of say to them look i want to see most videos i get from clients the first couple of weeks will be like your squat pattern your hip hinge pattern how's that look correct that first then after that it will be right i want to see your push and your pull um movements and again like i tend to then stay away from things like barbell bench press and i pretend to do more dumbbell because again a little bit less can go wrong um people don't try and go as heavy and it's easier to get out of it all this sort of stuff easier for you on your shoulders that kind of thing so i tend to kind of stick to certain things that i know kind of work quite well so again i don't do a huge amount of bent over rows because again most people unless i'm there in person i'm not going to trust they're going to do it brilliantly dumbbell row single arm a lot it's just a lot less things that can go wrong and i think as an online coach you have to think about your programming and from that point of view that you screen someone and go right i know they can do this movement this movement this movement i'm not going to make it any harder for them by trying to get them to do anything crazy because ultimately all they want to do is get stronger on those movements and see progress in the mirror and i've i posted a client recently actually liam on my instagram and he put his pictures together and was like oh look how you know how, what do you think and i was like i think you look really really good and i was like have you noticed your posture's changed and he was like i didn't even notice that he's like but it looks a minute he's like before slouched over head forward and all of a sudden he's now more upright and i actually haven't done any correctives with him he it was it was just the case of him going right i want you to think about how you're tra- you know how you're training he had a he had an in-person pt and stuff like that but i think it's thinking getting him to think more about using different areas of what he's doing rather than just trying to focus on getting a big chest which is what most guys want is then going actually you look better if you had bigger delts and bigger back and you can do that other ways you don't have to do so much pressing and a lot of other clients you see them when uh, another one of mine joe like tr- just transform how she stands and how she presents her physique because of how i don't know if it's a confidence thing or how proud they are but i think there's also an element to it where you program properly and strength is is the corrective and i think that more often than not when i get those first few videos through and i go right i want to see those and then i see them again four months later and i'm like unbelievable the difference you can get just from giving someone a few little cues again online but by having a look at those videos all the time making sure they're on the ball with it um 
they, they pick up loads of stuff and obviously it's easy for me as well because I can kind of say watch Tom's video and you might learn how not to do it you know so it's easier um, but no yeah, like, that's, the, that's the benefit is that you know it, that we have in this day and age is that I can point them in the direction of people who know what they're doing as well which helps so like, the amount of females I'm like oh how, do I, how am I going to do my back extensions I'm like go watch this video by Brett Contreras because again I know I'm like well I, I don't need to send you a video of me doing it I literally did that today as I somebody's glute as well then as well <laughs> <laughs> somebody uh, somebody was um, Ali if you're listening he does listen uh, he had cable pull throughs today and then uh, <laughs> I just sent him a pitch uh, it was Barbara not Barbara shrugged it was uh, the PDC doing it PTTC the personal trainer collective those guys just doing a cable pull through with Lawrence talking over it, and I was like, "Oh, great! I know Lawrence." Yeah, we, we won't mention go. competitors, but that's alright. <laughs> <laughs> it changed their name, but yeah, used yeah, to yeah. SBS to PTC. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting when they changed that, but it's cool. Right, have we yeah. got anything more to cover on what that weekend is going to be about? Or um, I think the last thing to to hit on, or the last thing to kind of summarize in my eyes, would be so before that, I was working at a transformation studio. And the biggest thing is in that 12 weeks to get the transformation. So with a screen, what you could determine was what exercises can I load literally to shit in order for me to get this transformation and what ones do I need to avoid because they haven't got the skill to do it, which could be a disservice, blah, blah, blah. But it kind of now is full circle. You have a rehab, guys. I have far too much money, guys, clearly, like you do as well. Um, Dan has body comp but for long term and then but then you have people that say want transformations quick results and are willing to pay for that regardless of if you think that's good or not but it kind of all means that the screen rather than having a bank of exercises which every pt does right everyone's like oh everyone does bench squat da, da, da. It, even though there is a load of exercise library that you'll show these guys on on the day and show there's loads of exercise we can do it's kind of now what you probably came into it for and like well what exercise should I choose for that person specifically? They'll go to their goals, but also how would I progress that one for that person rather than just go, well, here's an exercise library that level two and level three gave me. I'm just going to pick and pick a mix because that because that's the muscle group. Yeah, so I think that's totally right. So basically what we, we will outline exercises 100% and different like um, like levels of beginner, intermediate, advanced, but the whole point of the whole like is to get you the guys to who come to coach and make their decisions upon what they've been taught, what they see through that client and how they're coaching themselves and realize actually in this scenario, me as a coach, I will pick this, this and this instead of going, all right, yeah, it's a poll. So I will take this exercise, put it in the pot, this exercise, put it in the pot. You're like, no, 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 no. You're a coach. This is your decision. This is what you're meant to be doing. Use your rationale, which is what we're going to give you. That's the whole point. We're going to make people do that and just, basically create their own continuum i've got mine it differs to josh's it differs to dan's because of how we think things happen it will be very very interchangeable but the whole point is to have your own little continuum of what you've and it will generally slightly change depending on client to client and you won't know that unless you kind of kind of a little bit taught it but basically try it as well and i think it's it's, it's not it's, it's having like you just said there it's having your own continuum yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is that we've all got slightly different ones, but they're all with this foundation of going over what we're going to go over. Imagine that you get to go to that seminar and come away with it and go, right, I'm now going to develop my own continuum. Like that's pretty empowering as a coach to be like, this is how I do shit. This is my way of doing it. Like all of us, we do things slightly differently. The, the, the foundations are, are similar, 
but that in itself gives you the confidence to make to go right well i'm doing the right thing rather than going oh what did the textbook say again what did the textbook <laughs> say again no like have the balls to go no i've got my continuum i've learned based from all this experience all this knowledge and i've seen this in my clients regularly so i'm going to do it this way based on the fundamental principles that we've discussed and i would say like the last the last two things that i think straight away put you over and above near enough 99 percent of pts in the industry would be a you're able to justify every single exercise which not many people can you ask a pt why are you doing that exercise for that specific client and don't just mention the muscles as in oh, it works the biceps so being able to just justify oh because i've seen that in my client and they're, they're now progressing and they regress from here da, da, da. it's like amazing and then secondly alex kind of hit the nail on the head when he did uh, fms and spoke about fms in your in your podcast the physio guy it opens up a dialogue that you're speaking a similar language with healthcare practitioners. Yeah. If you're talking about this sort of stuff to physios or to osteos or something like that, then potentially that dialogue means that you're going to do more of a service to your client because that osteo and physio is now going to trust you and go, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for your client to come see me and go back to you and come see me go back to you. Perfect. I think we summarized it perfectly. Of course I did. <laughs> I carry you guys through this. It's not a problem. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I have just sent to you the stupid things on the internet this week, FYI. I think Dan has already seen it. I feel like I've shared it with you, Josh. Or you short... Somebody shared it with me, and it might have been you. Um, uh, I, I still can't... I can't believe one of the claims in it. it, it, it I mean, I, it, this, might, this might force Dan to run over by a couple what of minutes. What the hell? But, um, so, it's a... Po- I, I don't know, it's called What Science, right? So... <laughs> What Cross, science? Cross, CrossFit. <laughs> CrossFit are trying to go into science so now. Like, the, we're all, we're all doing four, four reasons why CrossFit induces muscle growth, guys. Um, so we've got number one. Wait till we get to point three. Is it point this, three? Is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> number one is volume. Um, all right, okay. cool. There's a lot I'm of cool volume. volume. They, 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 do, they do do a lot of volume and it's very, like, yeah, no, Number four is my favourite. Number and, four is my Apparently favorite. they cited Brad Schoenfeld on that, so we like Brad, um, so we'll, we'll go with that. Number two, failure. Brilliant. All right, we, we basically, this, this, this brings up an anecdotal you're, thing. If you're from, a CrossFitter, you're a failure. Exactly from, correct. <laughs> you're stupid. This is, this is, but this one teaches slightly anecdotally. There's a client of, well, not, I don't know if it's a client of mine. Um, a guy I've just written a program for decided to test his 1RM on the first day of his program. Who would that be, Josh? Sorry, mate. <laughs> I love it. You've got a test. I've got to go what I'm aiming towards. He gave me I his numbers. I hit a PB, though. Uh, he did. That's what that matters. That's, that's how good my program is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now he's going to run the program, isn't he? Good. All right. <laughs> oh, the second bit, right? Second Failure. Bit. Failure Failure is what they get, yeah? yeah. So, but this is, no, this right, is just though. shown... This is just to confirm in volume because it's three <laughs> it's sets like 30%. Oh yeah, 30%, which I reckon would be more reps anyway. Josh, yeah. Josh, Josh, Josh. I love how you're like look, breaking it down. Like There's far worse. I'm about to scroll through. So the, the, that doesn't say a failure because the one set at 80% didn't give an increase. Doesn't matter. But they failed still. So it's not just failure. We'll share this on the it's, group as well. It's madness. Um, <laughs> what's the right, next? The next one is... Constantly uh, varied. Constantly varied. <laughs> How can you what? <laughs> so they constantly vary the exercises, don't they? So basically, they're saying that muscle soreness 
is reduced the second time subjects do the exact same exercise. So therefore, you should constantly adapt and change it. And I'm like, no, no, that's exactly not that's not what we're saying. That, that's, like, that doesn't work. I enjoy the evidence they've uh, provided. This is, is from 2001. Current guys, we're yeah. good, nearly 20. Level years of old. Uh, medium. <laughs> medium. Okay, cool. Uh, varied. Yeah. Mm, uh, the last damage. bit, mate. The, the last, last one's the best. Blood one. flow <laughs> restriction. That is the one, mate. Like, so they're claiming during high rep thrusters. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, so like you know blood flow restriction where you like wrap a, a band around your arm to restrict the blood flow they're basically saying that doing high rep thrusters shunts liters of blood to the lower body and then you then press the, the over your head and that means that your triceps don't have any blood in them and they may be deprived of oxygen therefore it stimulates muscle growth so and it even says in the bottom corner level of evidence speculation <laughs> If your tricep hasn't got any blood, then technically you're getting brain damage because your brain must have no blood yeah, in it. It's, like, it's the, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like. <laughs> it's not blood flow restrict what? Restricting blood flow to working muscles. No, you don't understand that all your body's working. Your blood is there in all of it. Like, <laughs> it's always going to be there. What's holding the bar up on her shoulders? And also, blood flow restriction training means that the blood is pooled as well. Yeah. Like, it's pooled there. Like, <laughs> the point like, of so, blood flow restriction training is so that You've got low load, you're inducing some muscular damage there without having high reps because the blood stays there. So it still <laughs> increases um, metabolic damage. That's, that's the point in blood flow restriction. Oh, we so you don't have to we go know Josh. Yeah, yeah. Wait. I'm well confused by all this. Who's this? Who is this? Uh, Wad Science. Um, give him a follow or don't. No. Um, <laughs> if you want to see some fun stuff. Also, they've missed out the, the basically the picture. Um, so the fifth reason should be gear. Um, of course, the, the first picture, 100%. Like, Epoch, right, I'm done. I'm I've seen yeah. Epoch in one of their posts, I'm done. Uh, yeah, yeah well, I've, got, I've got to go anyway, so let's cut it there. I think that's <laughs> All right, um, Dan's got to leave. Um, we've summarised our weekend. What science is great. Um, is there anything left you need to say about people who are coming down, Josh? I think, what have you said? You've got like a couple of spaces left if people want to jump on it now. Yeah, we have got, uh, I think, two two or three spaces left. Uh, we want to make sure it's not a massive group just because of quality, blah, blah, blah. I think we've got about 15, <laughs> maybe a bit more than that coming. So. And, and Josh gets scared talking in front of too many people. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, what I'll be doing to the people that have signed up and they're like, I haven't got any information yet, don't worry. Uh, email will go out on Friday with all the details on it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, come and hang out. Apologies that Dan's there, but... You know, he's got a tag along. He he booked on. He paid for the space. He's paid like, I'm it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect, guys. All right, we'll let jo- um, we'll let Josh go, and we will let Dan go play cricket. Cheers. Cheers. See you later, guys. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>